0: hello and welcome back to our continuing apw podcast series the new year is upon us and early on in the year we looked at what apw had planned today we're going to look at a crop of forecasts for housing in 2023 yep we're talking crystal balls and with me staring into the swirly glass are APW stewart and callum williamson hello
1: good evening
0: Uh, Good evening where you are, but very good morning from here. And uh, good morning to you as well, Callum.
2: Yes, good morning and good evening. And if you're listening to this in the afternoon, good afternoon. Uh, Yes.
0: My name is Paul Shearer. I'm an independent freelance journalist and property writer. And in this series, we try and bring our audience useful insights into the UK property market. The idea is that the more you know, the better informed your investment decisions will be. APW specialises in advising expats about buying property in the UK and has been doing that for over thirty years. So, at uh, 2023, um, we just thought we'd do a roundup of the forecasts. Uh, but I found that actually, while I was researching them, there wasn't really any consensus, and this was researching just at the turn of the turn of the year. But Stuart, you do your market wrap every week, available on YouTube and a very good watch. Uh, What's 2023 looking like to you?
1: Um, I think really it's a case of um, a bit of a game of two halves. You know, we had the COVID and it was all run away, run away, flee to the coastline, flee to the country. And in 2023, it's going to be the opposite because hopefully we won't have any more COVID coming back. But we've got a squashy recession and we've got employers saying enough's enough. House prices are being squeezed in the areas such as the country and the coast. And consequently, city centers are are panned to do very well. So that's the overall view I would have over the next 12 months.
0: Yeah, the world's still being buffeted by some very turbulent economic winds. You touched on some of them there, but energy prices, although oil prices have come down, they're still a big issue. Uh, the war in Ukraine has been going on for almost a year now. and No one quite knows what, what's going to happen next. Cold weather is a you know, hard thing in Europe, although we've had the benefit of quite a mild winter so far. UK, as you say, it looks like it's heading for a recession. It's a shallow one, but uh, a recession nonetheless. That's the prediction. Unemployment, as you say, it's going to rise. Probably, and employers are getting a bit antsy about the work from home and forcing people back into the office. What do you make of the market in 2023, Callum? What's it looking like to
2: you? Yeah, I think just as sort of an extension of what Stuart was saying there, and some of the things you touched on. I mean, it's uh, we're seeing sort of. There's a lot of doom and gloom, actually, you know, if you read the papers, but if you, um, you know, you do your research, there's still opportunities out there, you know. So one of the things Stuart mentioned there is sort of that reversing of the race for space. We we, we were seeing that at the end of last year and that's sort of continuing through this year. And if you look at all the rental reports, I think Q4 2022 Zoopla rental report shows city centres and cities growing massively over last year and predicted to continue growing in terms of uh, values of rents rising because We've got lots of people moving back, looking at those uh, types of properties. So, uh, you know, if you take the negativity on board, it might sort of encourage you not to do anything. But I think it's more a case of, you know, as we always say, you know, doing research and making sure that your sums and wherever you buy it really is watertight, you know, because if there's sort of margin for error there, especially with interest rates the way they are, they will probably be coming down. But if, um, If you don't get your sums right, then you could be paying a bit of of extra cash each month into properties, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But um, yeah, I think reversing of trends, we have seen perhaps a bit of a slowing down in the market from what we were seeing, which is, you know, fourteen ten percent 10% growth. So a slowing of that, I'm not sure whether it will be negative, but a slowing. And um, yeah, people moving back to city centres, I think.
0: Okay, well, let's get some of the the, the actual facts and figures uh, into the mix now. Uh, inflation, Stuart, where is it at and where is it heading?
1: Um, well, it's just dropped by 0.7%, the general headline inflation. But you compare it to other, other sort of different comparables to inflation, and some of those are up at 18% and some are down at 6%. Overall, they are anticipating that it will continue to fall. And obviously, the Bank of England is hoping to get to its 2% target within a year to 18 months so it's still going to be quite a while of, of fairly high inflation and again we don't know what's around the corner as far as temperatures that could have an issue with energy prices and then if the, the war carries on in the ukraine that will have an issue so overall in, inflation is falling if you look over across to the us it's it's doing the same it is falling in general which just a case of how quickly it'll come down
0: Yes, so uh, so there is a quote from the Bank of England website just before Christmas, Um, we expect inflation to fall back from the middle of next year and be close to the 2% target in two years time. Uh, So that's looking at 2024 end of 2024. Their explanation of why they expect inflation in the UK to fall sharply from the middle of next year. Uh, First, the price of energy won't continue to rise so quickly. The government has introduced a scheme that caps energy bills for households and businesses for six months. So that energy cap has, has had an impact on inflation figures. Second, they don't expect the price of imported goods to rise so fast. That's because some of the production difficulties businesses had faced are starting to ease. And third, they expect there to be less demand for goods and services in the UK. That should mean the prices of many things will not rise as quickly as they have done. Although a couple of slightly more gloomy forecasts, inflation will remain well above 3% for the whole of 2023 and won't return to the Bank of England's 2% target until 2025. That was from the National Institute of Economic and Social Research. And the Confederation of British Industry, or the CBI, is even less optimistic uh, forecasting that inflation will be 6.7% by the end of 2023 and 2.9% in 2024. So differing forecasts, but as I said, this is what I was finding across the board, that there didn't seem to be any consensus. Clearly, there was a massive kink in, in predictions after the Truss quasi-Kwarteng mini-budget, and things have taken a while to settle down. But they do seem to have settled down. A bit now. Uh, but Callum, what what do central banks do when they're confronted with inflation?
2: They ra- uh, They raise interest rates. Uh, why do they do that? Because, you know, it encourages, encourages people to save because you get better return on your money in the bank. But it also means that most people's largest cost, which is their mortgage, will probably go up. So it takes a lot of money or spending power out of the economy, which reduces demand and takes the pressure off prices. Uh, so that's the, their sort of main go to tool that they would employ when faced with uh, inflation
0: yes the banks raised the rates to 3.5% at the last meeting in december uh, the next meeting is on thursday the 2nd of february and they're expected to raise again by half a percent to 4% of uh, just reading this morning but where are rates heading after that stuart
1: the first thing to cover i think is who is it most affecting at present and who can bear it and therefore what effect will a further increase after this present one have. And Nationwide came out the report last week uh, about mortgage affordability, and they were saying that first-time buyers are at the very, very limit of what they can afford to carry on getting into the market. And house price-to-earnings ratios were back above where they were in 2008-2009. So the people at the the sharp end of the market are the ones who are really struggling, especially with these latest increases. People who are already successfully owning properties and live through the pandemic, doing lots of saving and potentially paying their mortgages off, they're not going to be affected because mortgage rates are going to go up further, probably another quarter percent after this present uh, change. And that will really hurt uh, those people first time buyers and house price you know earnings ratios you need to look at those sort of things to anal- analyze what's going to go on but certainly they're still going to go northwards it'll probably be 12 months before they level out i would say but the the fear factor has gone out of the market in that banks are now lowering rates i do believe two fridays ago they dropped but lloyds bank and santander dropped their rates by about one percent so they're the factor rates are coming down. It's just the bank rates will continue to creep up until they feel happy with it.
0: Yes, it's a balancing act, isn't it? The, the bank is keeping an eye on the employment uh, figures and the employment market. Uh, and I was reading this morning that there's a kind of paradox that if the employment market is still tight and people are demanding wage inflation, uh, then the bank will probably still need to sit on the economy a bit and keep rates higher. Uh, but that is as you say, having a big impact on affordability, particularly for first time buyers and I think I was reading this morning the rates are that the uh their affordability ratio is up at thirty nine percent as opposed to twenty five percent a year ago so yeah that's the the interest rate. I saw another commentator suggesting it was four point six percent rather than the four point six percent in July, but as you say the the some of the pressure on that interest rate rise for the central bank has eased, and that then affects mortgage rates. So what are the mortgage rates that you're seeing in the market, and are they different here in the UK to the to the expat mortgages that you're finding?
1: Sure, I think um, we're actually benefiting a little bit from having a more mature market offshore, and it's not so knee-jerk reactionized as it is in the UK. Uh, I saw a mortgage offer come through today, for 4% fixed for f- for f- 10 years, up to 10 years, which is quite astonishing, really. But it was a good um, rate, I thought, compared to what's been offered recently, 4.75% on a five-year fix, which I think was Skipton. So no, offshore, I think the rates are a little bit better. But it's still a lot more than it was. It's still your average offering is probably 5% plus. Okay.
0: Well, this is the the inflation Uh, leads to the central bank putting up interest rates, which leads to mortgage rates going up, which means that the costs of buying a house are higher. That leads into the next bit, which is house prices and the affordability of those. I saw a couple of interesting charts in my researches this month. There were charts about the fixed rate mortgage market, uh, which was in a Savills report on house prices, and another chart about the effect of incomes on house prices, uh, which I'll come back to a bit later because that was on the OBR website. Uh, But the point is, when it comes to predicting house prices, there are a number of dials that people can twiddle when it comes to trying to work out what's going to happen to house prices. Uh, We've already covered some of them, namely inflation and borrowing costs, Inflation erodes people's available money, and higher borrowing also takes money out of play and means that people can't be so gung-ho about the price they pay for a house. Uh, the exception here is the people who can pay in cash, uh, which is sometimes where the very top of the market or prime market behaves differently. Gazillionaires tend not to be too concerned with changes in the mortgage rates. The other important dial is employment and unemployment. Like you say, the employers are getting a bit more testy about how their workers are behaving. so. Obviously, wages support mortgages, and if you lose your job, you might not be able to afford your house anymore. But this is just then looking at what is the effect on the UK housing market of these pressures. Callum, any thoughts?
2: Sure. Um, The predictions are for a recession to continue throughout 2023. Uh, The Bank of England says it will continue into 2024, actually, uh, with growth being taken out of the economy. They expect unemployment to rise during a long but shallow recession, so uh, not a V-shape but a shallow one. In the November report, the forecast rate of unemployment was expected to rise to 6.5% from a lower 35 so a 3% increase uh, in August, which was the lowest rate since uh, 1974, actually. Uh, but the point is that with employment at a lower rate than previous recessions, we should stay away from the high repossession rate of the 1990s.
0: Yes, and that comes back to that chart that I was mentioning in the Savills report about uh, mortgages as well. It's about whether, in obviously, uh, there will be a massive crash if everyone panics and tries has to sell their house at the same time. But the Savills report said that there were over 60% of borrowers on a variable mortgage rate, if you go back 20 years ago. But that meant that a change of interest rate had a big impact on house prices as soon as the rates went up or down. Uh, but if you look at the picture in 2022 only 2.5 percent of mortgages are on a variable rate and over half of the mortgages are on a five-year fix Uh, so that means that the impacts of interest rates don't affect house prices quite as quickly but having said that there are still a lot of people who are coming off their fixed rates in the coming year and it's whether they're owners or, or buy to let landlords, whether they're going to be in a position of having to sell because their costs have, have gone right up. And it looks like not necessarily. Uh, it looks like there will be a sort of shallower effect on house prices. Is that the way you see it, Stuart?
1: I think so. And I think also already the government are wheeling out its you know, forbearance measures, as they called it uh, in previous recessions, and it had it during COVID, and the forbearance measures been put in place, you know, banks had a cracking year in 2020, 2021, they made loads of money, and they're saying that they can afford to implement the forbearance measures, which are basically putting people onto or maintaining their fixed uh, interest rates, even though they haven't qualified for it, putting them onto interest-only deals, even though they've you know, they, they perhaps they wouldn't get it, in fact, not asking them to reapply at all just by giving them a a holiday of some nature. So I don't believe there will be a huge crash because there isn't in the banking world, there isn't the appetite for repossessions. It takes two years to repossess a house. And, um, despite the fact, when you get get your first letter, as I've I've had in the past, you know, saying, you know, it's all over for you, Johnny boy, you're out of here. You know, that's not the end of it. It takes absolutely ages to get people out at which stage people's finances change completely. And, um, I don't think there is the appetite there, so I don't think there will be a huge amount of repossessions. And people talk about market crashes. I mean, I was listening to, I think it was Joe Rogan the other day, and he was saying that he was going to stop doing some of his blogs because he's sick of the the absolutely pointless ranting that people go on him at him about stuff. And, you know, the same on the market wrap that we do, people rant at me there's going to be a 50% drop in prices, 40% drop at least, this, that, and the other. And it's not, it's not based on real fact apart from it's what people want to say to get it off their chests, which is fine. But the figures don't point towards that. They point towards a soft, squishy recession as all having a fair amount of pain in, in mortgage rates for quite some time, but it being affordable. The government is so frightened of doing anything wrong that can get them out of power. They'll do anything to try and help But there are things that have done which are good, like the forbearance. But bad things by getting rid of the latest, you know, minimum three hundred thousand houses they must build, and they've got rid of that guideline. Already, I think forty different boroughs have said, "Oh, we're not going to build the houses we should. We're not going to have our uh, our planning in place for the next five years to make sure houses are built," all because of the government wants to buy votes. And these are the why you've got so many different opinions going on. I think all in the marketplace.
0: Yes, well, yes, I mean, that sort of NIMBY effect and the lack of uh, housing, new housing being built that will obviously impact um, supply. Uh, But uh, the other chart that I mentioned from my researches came from the Office for Budget Responsibility. Now, they help uh, the ONS come up with their data and I was interested, I just read this thing about the, the correlation between employment and house prices. Now, we deal with that in our city watches when we look at transport infrastructure and employment or population infrastructure and employment because the employment is a big factor in any local economy as to what the house prices will be and where they're heading. But the Office of Budget Responsibility, I discovered, they, they base their forecasting on the OBR Working Model number 6 Uh, So after reading through a bit of this, I found out that I can tell you that uh, RPHT uh, equals RT over IT plus delta plus expected capital gains minus FMRAT, uh, where RPHT is the real purchase price of houses over time. RT is the rental value of a house over time. Uh, Delta is the rate of depreciation of housing assets. And FMRAT is the ratio of the shadow price of the credit supply constraint to the marginal utility of consumption. So, obviously, from that, you'll be able to quickly calculate what house prices are going to be by the end of the year.
2: Of course. I've already, I've already scribbled it down, actually, but I won't I won't tell you because that would give, give it away. I'll let the listeners try and figure it out. Do their own
0: calculations, yes. Uh, the point is that the OBR factors in an enormous amount of data into their treasury model, uh, loads of indicators, and not only that, they then have to check it against the actual data to see whether they've got their model right. And so they constantly tweak their model, and they're fascinated by this because it affects what the government is raising in taxes on property particularly for some stamp duty so they have to know this uh, because that's their what they do they're the budget responsibility however even right at the very end of it they said no model based approach can be perfect the house price forecast like all aspects of our economy and fiscal forecasts is ultimately subject to the budget responsibilities committee's judgment Uh, so even after that very, very complicated formula, and that was just one of the formulas in their working model number six, uh, the Office for Budget Responsibility still has to have an element of guesswork when they sit round the table and meet. Uh, so it's a bit of sticking their finger in the air and, and checking which way the wind is blowing. Uh, but the point of all this is to just have a look at the house price forecasts for 2023 and see if we can make anything out of uh, out of the differences of what people were predicting. What do you think, Stuart?
1: I'm not entirely sure I think that you know city centers as we've already discussed will go continue to go up because there is people rushing back into the cities to try and get back into work properly I think that the the affordability for the people at the poor old entry level is going to be difficult so I would have said that those sort of house prices are not going to do well down at the low level entry but flats are going up by twice as much at the moment in value as houses and that is a reflection of how people are changing their spending patterns. You know, it's a third as as cost to heat a two bed flat than it is to heat a three bed house. So there is all things that people are taking into consideration. It's the same as anything, really. You sort of re, re, recalibrate your model, whereas your model might have been, "I'll buy something for one hundred and fifty thousand, with any luck it'll go up to three hundred thousand, then I'll make loads of money." Just appreciate you buy something for one hundred and fifty thousand now. The tenant will pay it off. And there is a huge appetite from tenants for property. If you look at any of the, the press, they'll say how they've been waiting for six months to find apartments in, in London. The tenant will pay the mortgage off and you'll get some capital appreciation on top. You probably won't get as much as you would have, would have five years ago or 10 years ago. But it's always been my belief that just having the mortgage paid off by someone else always puts you streets ahead of the stock market, of bonds, and of um, cryptos, because that doesn't happen there.
0: Okay, well, uh, there was a chart in The Times uh, just before Christmas, which had the various different predictions of house prices. Uh, Savills was the gloomiest with the 10% drop predicted over the year. Uh, Capital Economics and Oxford Economics both came in at the mid 8%. Uh, Halifax, the lender, was on 8%. Uh, The OBR right in the middle of the pack with just over 6%. Uh, Knight, frank Zuppler and the nationwide all on 5% and right move and chestertons were the most optimistic at 2 and 1% respectively so grateful to The Times, uh, an article by Carol Lewis uh, for that chart. She also said uh, the reality is that there's no such thing as an average house or an average house price growth other than on an economic spreadsheet. During the pandemic, the average asking price for a top of the ladder property in Wales, a four or five bedroom house, increased by 31% compared to a rise of 4% for the average first time buyer on a one to two bedroom property in London. Because of this, Right move predicts a pronounced hyper local market next year where each sector and each segment of the market is likely to fare differently and operate at different speeds. Um, so, right move, uh, you know, seeing more people, they were seeing more people looking at over the Christmas period, uh, suggesting that they're planning moves for this year. And so, obviously, there is a, a, a have to move rather than a want to move, and that's what is currently operating in the market. that people who have to move, whether it's to be in a new school catchment area or a new job, uh, or because they can't afford to heat their house anymore, the one that they bought in the country when they were running away from COVID, they then have to move uh, and they choose wherever they uh, go next. Like you say, if it's a third as much, I didn't realize it was that low, the difference in heating uh, for a two bed flat as opposed to a house in the country. The point is, um, I
1: think. Is that, sorry to interrupt, As that article correctly says, that's across the whole country. So, you know, that place in Wales that went up by whatever it went up by, some monstrous amount, is that going to stay up there? What are the fundamentals that really drove that? You know, I can't believe it's going to be in the country and on the coast, as they say, that the prices are going to stay up there. There will be a flight away from there. and That's it. So you look
2: at Bl- Bliner Gwent was one of the highest uh, areas that uh, rises in price throughout the pandemic. and I mean, I don't know if you've been there, but it's you know it's a lovely place, but there's nothing much really going on there. you know there's no real industry, there's no um, sort of large employment centers or education centers. and so as you say, what what would be the reasons for people to stay there? you know if we use our pies or ties formula, there isn't really, you know so just all about sort of doing the research and buying in, in the correct place.
1: In Blanau-Gwent, the, you know, the average number of houses for rental is about 12.5%. The average number of houses for rental in Manchester is 33%. So it's because Blanau-Gwent, there isn't enough places to go around that it's going up in price. Whereas in Manchester, it's going up in price because it's a good market to buy in. That's a difference, really.
0: OK, so well, that's all we've got time for today. Um, thank you very much, Stuart.
1: Thank you, Paul, and cheerio.
0: Thanks, Callum. Cheers, Paul. Thank, thank you. you. And it's goodbye for me, Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stumm. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.